0: Who are you as a person? What is your brain chemistry? What is your hormone chemistry? What's your training history? What's your psychological state of mind? All of those things matter. And if someone's not taking those into consideration when they're designing you a program, then they're missing out on the boat.
1: Welcome to the Vince Del Monte podcast show, where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father, and I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle entrepreneurship and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Hey, it's Vince Del Monte. Before we dig into the podcast, I want to remind you if you are a fitness entrepreneur and you are looking to start a successful and profitable online fitness business or you're looking to scale it to the next level of profits, maybe you're at 30K or 80K a month and you want to go to that next level, well, the Fitness Business Mastermind of the Year is happening February 9th and 10th in Clearwater, Florida. There will be over 100 of the top fitness entrepreneurs, leaders, authors, Individuals who are personal brands doing ebooks, membership sites, supplements, clothing you name it. If people are making money and growing, they will be in that room. And you know how it is when you come to these events, all you need is one or two right ideas or one or two right partners to 10x your investment. So I want you guys to go to Vince Del Monte, 7 Monte, sevenfiguremastermind.com and I want you to fill out the application. We'll jump on the phone, you and I, or Jay Maxwell one of my top students, and we will figure out if this is right for you. If you got any questions, we will answer them. We will tell you what's the breakdown in terms of content on day one, uh, what we do with the hot seats on day two. We even have two incredible guests who are going to be taking the stage and teaching, and those individuals are Bedros Koulian and Joel Marion two incredible individuals who are both running nine figure businesses. And you're going to find out what's putting money in their bank account. And at this event, we are going to give you your specific marching orders to get one year's worth of results in 90 days. All right. This event is not an expense, whether you're flying in from Nicaragua, Australia, or England this is an investment you will 10x whatever you spend to come into the room and as a successful entrepreneur you must understand that investing into yourself is not something that costs you something it's something that will cause something bigger And once you make that shift, you will start to be able to make the decisions to build an empire and to leave the legacy and to create the generational wealth that you aspire to and that you deserve. But you can't think about it. You've got to act quickly because these platforms and ideas that come, they change so quickly and they become so obsolete that if you're thinking too much, you're going to get blown away. You're going to get left behind and you're going to be struggling. You're going to get stuck in the weeds, chasing dimes instead of chasing dollar bills, and this event is going to give you the fast track to blowing up your business. Just two days in the right room with the right people, with the right marching orders is going to accelerate your business more than any other decision you can make this year. There's no other place that you can put your money to grow your business than into an event, into a mastermind. And as we teach, money is useless until you use it to make more. And fear is the path to freedom. So if you're a little bit scared, that's good. It means you're taking this seriously. So go to Vince seven Monte, sevenfiguremastermind.com, fill out the application, we'll jump on the phone, figure out if this is right for you. And if it's not, we're going to tell you because we only want serious people in the room. One bad apple can ruin it all. We're not going to hard sell you. We're going to make sure that this is the right fit for you. So bring your questions. We'll map out your millionaire math. We'll map out your millionaire path. So you see how we're going to 10X your business. And we will even give you marching orders on the call to have done before or you show up in Clearwater so your investment is paid for before you come all right guys nobody's doing what we're doing in the industry there's a lot of little events here and there but no one's bringing out the heavy hitters the big dogs the people who are actually making it happen in one room for two days only you snooze you lose we're moving forward with or without you you got to make a decision fast and you got to make it firm all right or else this business is not for you I look forward to seeing your application and jumping on the phone with you. And we're going to 10X your biz. We'll talk to you soon. Now enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back, it is Vince Del Monte and we are joined by one of our favorites, Coach Ryan the Solution Fanley. I've nicknamed Ryan the Solution because ever since I met him back at Charles Poliquin's five-day hypertrophy boot camp, I would say about six years ago, this guy always had an answer and one of his special gifts is writing programs. I've never met someone smarter when it comes to skillfully and organizing workout programs into a structured fashion. And Ryan is the guy I consult with before I put any workout program out, whether it's Maximize Your Muscle, No Nonsense Muscle Building 2.0, Living Large, No Nonsense Fat Loss 2.0, the 30-Day Metabolic Reboot. I always consult with Ryan and he's always got new tricks up his sleeve And the reason is, is because he is a master at his trade. And Ryan's been in the game for over 15 years. He's a strength coach. He's a consultant. And he's going to tell us some cool things he's been doing for um, some other business projects. And recently, Ryan took the stage as one of the speakers at the Swiss Symposium, which is the world's biggest event for... Fitness enthusiasts, trainers, coaches, and it attracts the top power lifters, bodybuilders, doctors, therapists, trainers, strength coaches, and nutritionists uh, as the speakers. And they all come on stage over a course of three days and they present their best information. So I was unable to go this year. So I asked Ryan, could you come on the podcast and teach us what we all missed out on? You know, what's the status of the industry when it comes to training, nutrition? And we dug into some really cool stuff. Uh, one of them, which we'll get to later on in the call is everything around steroid use drugs and I think you'll find this one of the most eye-opening parts of the conversation and we rarely talk about this we talk about TRT and uh, we talk about a lot of the different uh, thoughts and uh, the mindset you need to have around drugs and steroids and if you're going to do them how you got to do them and if you're and if you're getting into them what you need to be aware of and some of the um, major problems you need to avoid and just we just have that entire conversation so as you can imagine it's really really interesting and I think you'll find it really beneficial to um, just allowing you to make better decisions for your life. Uh, we also talk about one of the guest speakers' uh, approaches to fat loss and contest prep, which was very different, and it's virtually completely the opposite of what you're used to hearing or doing when trying to get shredded. So I ask him all about that. We talk about the carnivore diet, uh, which is pretty hot these days, and uh, how to... Um, look at that. We have a a great conversation around gear versus raw powerlifting and what the thoughts are these days on that. And we talk about uh, the importance of individualization. That seemed to be a huge theme at Swiss this year. And I think you'll leave this uh, podcast with a lot of reassurance of what actually matters when it comes to transforming your body, improving your health, getting stronger, optimizing your hormones. And uh, when you get around the top experts in the industry, you know, the Eagles get, for the most part, are pretty much wiped out. And that's when the most productive conversations happen. And that's why I wanted to bring Ryan on, because I want to learn what conversations are happening at the very top of the totem pole. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this. We talked uh, a lot about, um, you know, a lot of signs, five signs in particular that you have to check off to ensure your body's even in a state to start cutting. And just this section alone of the podcast is worth it because a lot of people are attempting to lose fat and they don't have these five things checked off. And this will present a very new way to approach your cutting so that you get the most out of it. There's a ton of other things we talk about. I really wanted to dig into the mindset around these top guys, um, these dinosaurs, if you will. I say that in a really positive way, right? Uh, The the dinosaurs are the ones that ruled the kingdom, right? So I want to be a dinosaur. I want to learn from the dinosaurs. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I asked them, what are some of their common mindsets? We dug into that as well. And uh, this was such an awesome conversation. Me and Ryan, you know, both have young kids as well, so it's great to hear how he's doing with his business and with all of his projects and with his learning and with his personal fitness goals as well, amongst being a dad as well. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Coach Ryan Fanley. All right, we are back. Ryan Fanley, welcome back. Man, thanks for having me. It's been too long, brother. No kidding, man. Life just flies.
0: I think it's the kids, right? It totally is, man. I got I got this little five month old uh, snot goblin, uh, my, my son, man, and he looks just like me. It's the most hilarious thing. But yeah, he takes up a ton of my time. I tell you that and I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: Yeah, I think it's good. I was telling my dad this, and he was reminding me that this is the season of life we're in. So, yeah. embrace it and just realize this isn't the climate. <laughs> so. It totally is. And you know, the the
0: mentality and the mindset of it is everything. Like, I've had days where I've just been in the worst mood, and I'm just like, oh, you know, it's I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, and these kids are so needy. But that's the worst attitude to have. And with a simple, like flip of the switch, like thinking about what a blessing it is to have these crazy kids that look just like me and my wife. It's like, yeah. And, be- and behave like us. It's such a blessing. So yeah, it's just taking the right mindset is the key.
1: Yeah. Enjoy watching your IG stories and seeing you embrace uh, daddyhood and uh, taking Olivia for nice long, is that Olivia with on the long walks or no, you're taking her gymnastics now. It's your yeah, well, little guy you're taking for long walks.
0: I take my little man on long walks, um, I walk my daughter to school too, we live we live like half a mile from her school, so we walk every day um, to, to take her to school, and we have like good little talks, you know, we talk about life, we talk about, you know, she, she's very perceptive and, and uh, intelligent for being uh, just almost four years old, so.
1: It's crazy, right? Yeah, Amelia, yeah. man, she's got a photographic memory, and she needs your undivided attention. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep which I'm sure is a challenge for you right sometimes oh, with all the things you
1: got going on oh sometimes I just feel like a lousy dad yeah, <laughs> I just you, can't it, give her the attention she wants yeah you know what I've i felt that too I feel like there's a
0: lot of pressure like because you and I are driven we want to be the best at everything we do and I, I think there's we feel guilty sometimes for stepping away to like take a phone call but we have to remember we are there for our kids. Like we love our kids. And there's sadly a lot of kids that grow up without that. So we're, we, we shouldn't be t- so hard on ourselves, you know?
1: Yeah, and uh, no kidding, right? So uh, it's important to be around guys like, you know, you and I hanging out, having these conversations too, just to know that we're, uh, we're, we're fighting new battles these days. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> not just the ones in the gym and, uh, you know, with the business. So, uh, hey, man, it's been a little while since we've had you on the podcast. The last time we talked about a good chunk around getting lean, staining the mindset of uh, mindful eating and, you know, maybe just uh, give the listeners a little update on what's uh, emerged in your life the last, uh, heck, maybe nine, 10 months.
0: Yeah, well, um, life stuff, I had my <clears throat> had my son five months ago. <clears throat> um, that's basically the biggest thing life-wise that's changed. Business-wise, it's the same old. I'm busy um, coaching people, helping them get their results across a wide variety of platforms. I've got fitness competitors. I've got rehab clients. I've got, um, athletes that I'm working with. Um, I recently actually started doing some fascial stretch therapy. Hmm. It's it's an area that no one in my city has like does, and we've got multiple professional sports teams. So I saw it as an opportunity to really kind of get in with them. So I've got a couple of like the Cincinnati Bengals that come in for treatment. Um, that's it's been a pretty good source of clientele, which is nice. Um, also doing consults. I, I recently was down in Nashville, Tennessee, the country music uh, capital of the world doing a consult on a um, condominium complex designing their fitness facilities he's like it's these like filthy filthy rich uh some of them are like country music celebrities and and they just want to have the best gym in their condo complex so they basically brought me in they're like we almost they're like we have almost no budget Um, just buy us the nicest stuff, get us the best stuff. And I'm like, it's awesome spending other people's money like that. So (laughs) that's a cool job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's fun. And of course, being down in that city too, I mean, it's such a fun city, tons of culture, tons of places to eat. I mean, even if you don't like country music, Nashville, Tennessee is an awesome place to go.
1: Yeah. Fabia constantly reminds me that she wants to go there ASAP. It's her favorite show. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, so, so listen. Let's talk a bit about um, a couple of reasons I wanted to to connect with you and get our listeners up in the loop here, man. You were speaking one of the, uh, you were speaking at the not one of the the industry event for strength coaches, the world's number one weight training symposium. Tell me a bit about Swiss. That's what I want to hear today. I want to hear what we all missed out on. I mean, you know all yeah. the legends. If you weren't
0: at Swiss, uh, it's a bummer because it's always an amazing time with some of the, I mean, not some of the best people in the, in the industry. Um, it, it, Ken is only going to do it like it, the next time it's going to be put on is 2020 and that could be the last one, but basically it's a three day event with all the top hormone specialists, rehab experts, chiropractors, um, functional medicine physicians, strength coaches, um, you know, for example, Stu McGill it presents, has multiple presentations. Stu McGill is the guy that wrote the book on lower back training and health. He's done over 300 peer reviewed studies on the lower back. All doctors know who he is. All orthopedic surgeons know who he is. And he's the one up there presenting, mm-hmm. um, Eddie Cohn, the the greatest powerlifter of all time, presents there. Um, Dave Tate of Lead FTS. All these – meta. I mean it's just – it's amazing because it's basically your idols from the industry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the, like Dorian Yates was there, uh, not this year, but the, the Swiss before for the bodybuilding people. I mean it's the people that are both in the trenches and in the lab at the same time. And what it is, it's three days – At any given time, there's five presentations going. There's a nutrition stream, a training stream, a rehab stream, a medical stream, and then an underground stream. And you can pick and choose what you want to go to. You can step in, step out of different presentations. But then the real magic happens is that there are time periods between the presentations where everyone's just out in the hallway or in the conference hotel bar. Or at the the steakhouse across the street, and they're just talking shops. So mm-hmm. you'll see, you'll see Stu McGill, who's who's a rehab low back um, science nerd, if you will, talking with Bill Kazmaier, the world's strongest man, and they're sharing with each other. And that's the beauty of it. It's no ego. Mm-hmm. It's it's trying to learn from one another because truly, the best in the field realize that they don't know it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I think that's a critical point. Whenever you come across someone that appears to have all the answers, and they're not very humble about it, you can almost be rest assured that they they don't have the answers. It's the humility um, that, that is really special about this event. So um, I was there. I was presenting on a panel, on a shoulder rehabilitation panel. Um, I was with Dr. Eric Serrano, Dr. David Leaf, Matt Wenning, uh, and several others, and we were all just like spitballing, presenting our favorite um, shoulder rehab drills, assessments, etc. cetera. Wow. So yeah, it was a blast.
1: So who typically was the attendee, other trainers, uh, fitness enthusiasts, primarily trainers, other coaches, would that be the bulk of the attendance?
0: Um, yes, I would say that, but there's also a lot of physicians that will attend. But the, the cool thing is, is, Um, you can always find something for your given level of competence. You know what I mean? Like all the presenters make an effort to really make it so that it's not too far over your head in terms of what they're presenting. Um, But yeah, I would say probably trainers and strength coaches are probably 60% of it with the other 40% being um, physical therapists, um, surgeons, and like medical doctors. Wow.
1: Okay. Listen, man, this is why you're here, man. I want to hear what I missed out on. I want to hear your big personal takeaways, any applications uh, to yourself. And also want to hear some, maybe some of the more controversial uh, conversations that happen that listeners would be interested in things that, you know, we need to avoid or just uh, maybe even any rants or riffs anybody went off on any specific topics. Let's start with your personal takeaways, and we'll get to the uh, edgy stuff. (laughs) Yes, okay.
0: So I guess one of the first things, and this is something that you and I both know, but it was awesome to see this reinforced, is that you cannot get the best results in any endeavor without individualization and customization. Mm. And we talk about this a lot, Vince, but it was really cool. Um, It was reinforced in the training stream, in the rehab stream, in the medical stream. So basically a, a doctor or whatever would get to the end of a talk and someone would raise their hand in the crowd and say, what do you think about aspirin? And everyone would say well you know what are the context so everyone basically refused to answer the general questions and said look it could be good in this situation it could be bad in this situation you have to know who the client is and you have to assess and so that's one of the things that you know i've always done but now it's it's just been hit home to me even harder is that you have to customize any given thing you do so if you come to me and say coach ryan should i do a low carb diet is a low carb diet good for probably 68% of the people, it would it would work well for a given goal. Huh. Then there's going to be 16% on one end that, you know, they're going to need more carbs and the 16% on the other end that are going to need less carbs. It's like a bell curve. Mm-hmm. So you can't just give blanket answers. You always have to be assessing and customizing as you go. And that's something... Um, we already do it within our coaching. I already do it in, in the coaching that I do, but now I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm going to bring in even more assessments and coaching and things like there, more assessments and more individualization. Oh,
1: that's So, great. Wh- so we got to get yeah. away
0: from the broad strokes, correct? <laughs> broad strokes are okay. Sometimes for general mm-hmm. advice, but for most, most people, you're going to get the best results with customizations based on you. Who are you as a person? What is your brain chemistry? What is your hormone chemistry? What's your training history? What are your nutritional preferences? Um, What's your psychological state of mind? All of those things matter. And if someone's not taking those into consideration when they're designing you a program or in medicine, if they're uh, providing a medical intervention, then they're missing out on the boat.
1: Yeah. Did you get a chance to hear uh, Thibodeau's talk on neurotyping and how uh, the different neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine and um, adrenaline influence uh, you as a person and how you yeah, can adapt you, those to your nutrition and your training to get your, you know, most potential?
0: For sure. We, and we, I, I didn't hear his talk because ironically enough, I was in another talk that was happening at the same time that was about neurotransmitters from the medical side, less from the training side, but they echoed the same points. And that was the cool thing. Um, this doctor from from Ireland, Dr. Fanula McHale, she, her whole talk was on, um, on brain health, like women's brain health. And so she did a deep dive into neurotransmitters um, as it related to that. And, and what's interesting is um, she and Thibodeau Christian met after that and talked and like I, I had a conversation with her later in the weekend and basically they echoed so many of the same things it's just was so fascinating it's like hmm. they but they both arrived at similar conclusions in their research and in their practice but on totally different things Thibodeau's on training and nutrition and hers on like mental health brain health and and uh, and, and even things like sexual function so it's really fascinating to see two different people arrive at the same conclusions, you know?
1: Interesting. What, what about anybody not arrive on the same conclusion? What kind of things were people not uh, seen eye to eye on?
0: Oh, well, the powerlifting, there was
1: a powerlifting panel that was
0: hilarious because it was <laughs> geared geared versus raw powerlifting. For those that don't know, geared powerlifting, they use things like canvas uh, shirts and suits, Um They provide a degree of protection, but really anyone will tell you they help you lift more weight. It's a different sport. So when you see guys that are bench pressing a thousand pounds, for example, um, that's in a bench press shirt, um, which often adds a lot of additional weight. So, for example, I've I've known some people who could only bench press 300 pounds without a shirt and they bench press 550 pounds with a shirt. So it adds more wow. weight you're able to lift. And like anything in the industry, there's a huge division between the geared and the raw side. So you had guys like Bill Kazmaier up there who was basically just ragging on <laughs> the geared lifters because back in his day, gear powerlifting wasn't a thing. Hmm. Everything was raw. Um, and then you had some of the elite uh Geared powerlifters of the day like Brian Carroll, J. O. Holdsworth talking, and they're more defending the the geared side. So that was good. That that provided some nice back and forth. It's always interesting to see two really strong guys kind of arguing, you know, because you're yeah. like, man, if this if this pops off, like, where's everybody going to hide? <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> if 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 Bill Kazmaier gets angry, like what's going to happen? Like are 500 people going to be dead in Toronto? Like that's going to make the news. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, don't poke the bear. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that yes. was always fascinating. Um, yeah always a good time. There were some controversial opinions on the steroid panel too, which I'll get into a little later. I plan on talking about that. but
1: what about nutrition wise? Because you know I still see a lot of guys kind of poking at keto and intermittent fasting out all the different ways to do it and there's a lot of most people aren't doing it the right way and correct what's
0: what's interesting at Swiss is everyone has their preferred methods, mm-hmm. but they all respect and value. The methods uh, that there's a time and a place for different methods. For example, one physician here was really about the carnivore diet, Hmm. Um, and this was this is basically just all meat, no vegetables, no starches, no no vegetables, no vegetables, just
1: an all meat diet. Hmm. Um, And can can you share a bit on that too? Because I'm actually really curious about that. I'm not like intentionally on a carnivore diet, but I I think I am because I hate eating vegetables.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Potentially. So basically, um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. You literally only eat animal protein. So um, beef, steak, uh, elk, eggs, chicken, um, mostly fattier cuts of meat too, different types of fish, uh, rabbit if you want, venison, bison. And that's, you know, you have two or three meals of that a day. You eat until you're completely satisfied and then you stop. Now what's interesting is the doctor that is – that was really kind of popularizing it was very, very clear that she only uses it for a very specific reason. Hmm. Um, and that's for balancing neurotransmitters. So, and helping people with addiction. So Hmm. a lot of times people with food addiction, they have trouble with satiety signals. Their brain can't perceive when they're full. And a lot of that is due to Um, just getting the wrong, you know, neurotransmitters are like, it's like a soup, right? So we all have a different balance of neurotransmitters in our body. Dopamine is like a pleasure reward um, hormone. So when you, cocaine, for example, works on dopamine, um, sex addicts are addicted to dopamine. They're addicted to the thrill of the chase of a new sexual partner, a new sexual conquest or a new sexual, uh, you you know, all the weird like fetish stuff that people are like, Oh my gosh, how can you be into that? It's literally just a dopamine, uh, impact on the brain. It's novelty. It's something new and different. Um, and, and that's why some people want to have their partner shit on their chest, right? Like it's weird. It's freaking weird. Like it sounds like you and me, like are like, what the heck? Like that's the weirdest thing. Who would want that? But when you've already exhausted every other, uh, novel new thing that you can think of in the bedroom, something weird like that is enough to stimulate the dopamine and get you like fired up. Right. So all that weird deviant type behavior, a lot of times boils down to neurotransmitters and addiction. And so, um, Basically, eating a meat only diet can help to a degree reset uh, the neurotransmitters in certain individuals that battle addiction. So, that is the context with which this physician was uh, advocating a carnivore diet. Now, the problem is. You'll get all these other people that just hear about it and then go on Instagram and talk about, oh, this is the best diet for fat loss or the best diet for training. Hmm. And that's not true at all, not even in the least. And this this doctor will be, you know, be very clear, like, look, it's not the best for body composition. It's not the best for training. It's good for. Fixing the brain neurotransmitter soup, getting the soup in the right balance in certain individuals. Again, certain individuals—the key being customization. So this is someone that has an issue with dopamine. Um, there are other people that may have acetylcholine deficiency or hypersensitivity or serotonin or GABA or you know all the uh, all the different brain chemicals that make up the soup. And so in some people, um, a carnivore diet may be the worst thing they could go on. And this, you know, and this kind of explains why we lean towards certain ways of eating, right? Like vegans tend to lean toward a certain way of eating and a lot of that could be just their brain chemistry. And it's not necessarily that, you know, that they're trying to get a certain effect. It's just how their body functions best or how they feel the best. So that was really fascinating to me. Um, where are we where are we going with that we're talking about the car yeah diet.
1: i guess i was interested oh. in the carnivore diet and yeah the applications of it because it sounds interesting but like what, oh, yeah. what are some of the downfalls of not eating veggies no let's just be real like i would be not not a sucker but i that would grab my attention you know because it, sure. it appeals to my lack of desire to eat veggies and i could twist that to conform to my <laughs> my preferred way of eating which but what if i need veggies You know, so I think this is what I really I want people to hear that like you got to make sure there's an outcome uh, based on symptoms you're experiencing, so that it's not just suiting a a part of your your bias, yeah, your your bias exactly. No,
0: no one wants to cram down asparagus, right? But like we do it because it's got micronutrients, because it's got fiber, things that are beneficial. So honestly, I mean. like nutrition research is pretty clear that vegetables are really healthy. I mean, it's the one thing that you can get most, most all, um, dieticians, doctors and trainers to agree on are that vegetables are almost non-negotiable. Again, this goes back to simply the, um, the context of the diet you're, you're giving this, in this case, the carnivore diet was used, um, more because the, Um, detriment of being in an addictive state was more harmful to this person's body and brain than a lack of vegetables, if that makes sense. So if if you're a Coke addict, the last problem you have is not getting enough asparagus. The first thing that needs to be addressed is getting off of cocaine, right? Right. So that's kind of like where it is for this. So I mean, it can be certainly a part I would have no problem with someone adopting that uh, dietary strategy for maybe eight weeks at a time, a couple months. The other issue with it, though, and this is the issue with any diet, is what happens when you eventually cave. So you can tell me, Ryan, I'm going to start the carnivore diet tomorrow, and you do it, but guess what? Christmas is coming up in, what, six, Mm -hmm. seven, eight weeks? Mm -hmm. What is going to happen when you're at Christmas dinner And your grandma brings out those delicious cookies that you remember from childhood. So it's starting to – the smell stimulates the the brain, right? So it's taking you all the way back to your childhood and all these happy times of going to grandma's house and getting her Christmas cookies. You only get them once a year because granny only makes them on Christmas. Um, What happens then when you make the decision to have that cookie? And I will tell you right now with people that have been doing a strict carnivore diet once they stimulate those pleasure receptors in the brain, it is going to be a, like, you're going to be off the wagon hard for a minimum of three days, maybe longer, could be three weeks of eating nothing but grandma's cookies. And then at that point, you'll be inflamed, you will have gained body fat, and you're probably not going to be in the best psychological state. So that's the biggest downside to me of something like the carnivore diet is the lack of flexibility means that When you do, when the, when the willpower battery eventually runs out, you're going to fall off the wagon hard and be in a really bad place. So that's the biggest negative to me, if that makes sense.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what we all want to pretend doesn't exist. The reality of tomorrow. Um, Yeah. The reality of tomorrow. That's a brilliant way to put it, man. Okay, cool. So anything else in the nutrition conversations that was maybe new to you, things that you uh, maybe hadn't looked at in a certain way?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, to be honest, I think, um, this wasn't so much new to me as it was refreshing to hear and kind of reinforce some new strategies, some different strategies I want to apply going forward. Um, you probably, I think, you know, Luke Lehman, right? Yeah. M- muscle nerds. Okay. He's a good guy. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I've known him for years and it's funny because we, Each worked for Poliquin for Charles for several years, but separately. Like he, I think he replaced me when I left, Mm. Um, and then so so we had worked kind of together, but never actually got to hear each other talk. So I went and sat in on his talk, and it was it was really fascinating. He does a lot of things different, um, and I think I I really like how he does. Um, So both training and nutrition wise, so basically a lot of physique prep coaches do their preps absolutely backwards. And if you think about events to anytime you've gotten shredded for a show, what typically happens, you start with weights, and as you get closer to a show, you start doing cardio, right? Yeah. And as you as you need to get leaner and leaner, you start jacking up the cardio and taking yeah. the calories down, right? Yeah. Well, Luke proposes, and he's got the case studies to show it, um, that this is backwards. And when he explained it, it really makes sense, and it's something that intuitively i've done with a lot of clients but i'm going to adopt this approach for even more people but basically his first step is to get the body in an optimum state of health first so he's looking at blood pressure he's looking at resting heart rate and heart rate variability those are three metrics that he has people track daily upon waking and he looks at those over time so for example if you come to if you come to luke and you want to do a prep for a show hmm. but your blood pressure is 150 over 80 over 90 or whatever. Guess what? He is not going to prep you. He's not going to even start prep until he you gets your blood pressure uh under 115 over 80 or 70, 115 over 70 I think. So it's like that's the first step. Basically it's like prepping to prep. And what hmm. he does for that is basically aer- aerobic work is loaded to the front of the program. So the first step he'll do is he'll take the lifting volume and take it way way down and do a ton of aerobic work, six to eight weeks um, of cardiac output work. And cardiac output work is really, really boring aerobic work. It's low intensity. So heart rate's going to be around 120 to 130 beats per minute. And it's long duration. So 90 minutes, you know what I mean? Which is boring. Now there's different ways to do it to make it less boring. You can do it with uh, lightly loaded resistance training moves as long as you keep your heart rate in check, but it's constant movement. So he'll do six to eight weeks of that, you know, seven days a week. Um, there'll still be some lifting too, but it's on maintenance dosage. And what's interesting, the goal is to create an adaptation. You're trying to increase the mitochondria. You're trying to improve work capacity. You're trying to decrease your sympathetic tone. So your fight or flight, which we kind of, we all live in fight or flight mode these days Uh as, as silly as it is, Opening up your Instagram to see, you know, ten direct messages activates that fight or flight. Yeah, and it it, it's as crazy. It sounds crazy because who doesn't like to check their Instagram, right? But at the same time, the brain and the body just is not wired for that constant minute in and minute out level of stress. So the aerobic work helps to get you kind of out of that fight or flight mode. And then the other thing that it does is it builds your tank, your gas tank, for the, for the lifting later to become. Your aerobic system essentially refills the tank for your anaerobic work. So an example would be if you take someone who is unfit uh, aerobically and you have them do a lifting workout, let's say three sets of 10, they're going to need a really, really long rest in between sets. They're going to have a big performance drop-off set to set and um, they're not going to be able to do more sets. Like if you ask them to do five sets, they wouldn't be able to complete them. Hmm. Now you take someone that has a really good aerobic capacity, they're going to be able to not only do those three sets of 10, they'll probably be able to do six sets of 10. They're going to have shorter rest intervals in between sets, and they're going to be able to use a heavier load for their work sets, which means there's going to be a greater training volume, which means more muscle, lower body fat, all the things we want. But that doesn't come – without a good base of aerobic capacity. And that's one thing, personally, I have neglected myself for a long time uh, earlier on in my career, and I've noticed nothing but positive benefits since doing more of that. So that's that's what he does. And then what he'll do with food is he'll start off with a lower quantity of food. So during that aerobic block, he'll do a lower carb diet. Now notice I didn't say no carb diet. I said lower carb diet. So. For some people, low carbs is going to be 120 grams of carbs. For other people, it might be 50 grams of carbs. And other people still, it might be 400 grams of carbs. I've got some clients now that are on a quote-unquote lower-carb approach that are averaging 400 grams of carbs a day Mm. because that's just where they are metabolically. And this is, again, where the customization comes in. You can't just go in and say, eat X amount of carbs for everybody. Because everyone is different and so you have to assess them to see what where they're going to be. So what he'll do, he'll start on a lower quantity of food and then once they phase out of the aerobic training and start doing more anaerobic training, the lifting, um, they'll push food up and the idea being food elevates your metabolism. Eating more food gives you a boost to your metabolism. Lifting weights in a high volume elevates your metabolism. So essentially, if you push food up and you push up training volume at the same time, you're doing two different things that elevate metabolism. And that's a good thing. You want a raging, raging fast metabolism. So he'll get them to a point then, he'll push calories up and up and up for a while with training volume, and he'll get them to a point where they're eating so much food they almost can't stand it, and then when the that's when the prep starts, that's when the actual calorie cuts happen and hmm. the thing is they can get leaner much easier because they've got a raging metabolism from eating a ridiculous amount of calories every day you know they, they had one guy one of their one of their coaches was there um one of his uh employees was there who adopts this method is really fascinating like this guy um you know some days he, he weighs i think 100 a pounds and some days is pushing 1,200 grams of carbs, and I think the lowest he got during his prep for a show was like 300 grams of carbs a day, which is still you know, great, and now he's like maintaining a lean body mass on between 5 to 800 grams of carbs a day. So, no kidding. Yeah, so it's like he didn't have to starve to get show ready. They simply worked his calories up to a point that his metabolism was just on fire, Right and we've we've all been there, you know when you've had that cheat meal and like you just can't stop sweating because you've had so much to eat? oh yeah, that's that's your metabolism elevating. The problem is you can't just have cheat meal after cheat meal after cheat meal to do it. You have to do it in a systematic way. You have to give a small boost of calories, let the body normalize, and then boost again. And you know this is something that um, I've always kind of done, but it's just good to hear it reinforced and it's good to see um, other experts doing this, the same things that you aim to do. It, it just lets you know you're on the right track
1: yeah great to hear it reinforce you know just to escalate the belief that that's what you really need to do and the opportunity is not just in that strategy but to do it well and that's what i was trying to think about there so how long with a prep before a prep last because we kind of you know we've always you've always coached me through you know just get the metabolism up let's stabilize before we start the deficit so you know we've been aware of the value obviously of initiating a cut with as much strength size metabolism as possible yeah Uh, but how long could that typically take like what if I, I don't know this and I come for a prep 16 weeks out because that's the standard and you're already in a, you know, like the, the metabolic capacity is not in the optimal state. Do you just, does he tell them, you know what I mean? How do you, how do you kind yeah, of negotiate? So how do you negotiate that? You know,
0: that's, that was kind of the, one of the big take homes for me personally was he'll just flat out say, sorry, you're not doing the show. Mm-hmm. Or if you are, you're not doing it with me. Like he just flat out refuses to start a prep with someone that is not ready to prep. And that's one area where in the past, I've always kind of just tried to help the client do it as safely as possible, whether, you know, I'll be like, ah, you're not really ready, but I know you really want to do it. So let's go. And now it's kind of given me the idea that, look, you're not doing the client any favors. You're not doing yourself as a coach, any favors, by taking on those preps that are just a train wreck waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's basically, uh, I'm going to be saying no to a lot more preps, basically, or, or, or maybe not no, but maybe wait. So in terms of how long it takes, it could be anywhere from six to eight weeks um, to prep to prep, or it could be as much as a year, year and a half. I've got one girl now that we've been pushing calories up for about a year and a half, you know and we're almost there this is a girl that chronically under ate for uh, gosh for years right she was she was like constant prep mode she would do multiple multiple shows a year so she was always dieting metabolism is suppressed and with her it's it's been like so when we started she was eating at a And a body weight of maybe, I can't remember what she was, 160. She was eating about uh, 900 to 1,000 calories a day and and maintaining, not able to drop under 160. Hmm. That's ridiculous. That is low. And so my goal for her, I told her, I said, I'd like to get you eating 2,500 calories a day and maintaining your body weight before we try to diet again and so right now we're at like 1800 after a year and a half so we've almost we've, we've doubled her calories in a year and a half but she's still not you know where i want her to be the the beauty of it is her body weight has actually gone down a tad
1: just from you know elevating her metabolism a little bit so so, so i think let's make some uh, let's give the listeners some takeaways what are some signs uh, optimal clues that uh, you, you're in an optimal state to initiate a deficit with maximum success. Um, blood
0: pressure and heart rate are two good places to start.
1: Uh, you I've never even go. I've never even heard of this before. Like I've never even thought to check my heart rate or blood pressure before a cut. Yeah, well, it's
0: just a, it gives you an like if you're so jacked up and stressed out before you even start a cut, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose body fat that because sense, your yeah. body's your body's under stress, right? Like you are just going to catabolize lean tissue. Hmm. So, there's no point in doing that. So, all you want to look at blood pressure, um, you know, 115 over 70 would be a good good target. Um to get that there and that's that's pretty simple. You can you can get there just with cardiovascular work, eating a ton of vegetables, so potassium. Potassium is critical for regulating blood pressure, so you want to get a ton of potassium. Um you know de-stressing meditating proper breathing mechanics is another one learning how to breathe we all forgotten how to breathe because we hmm. sit in horrible posture we're sl- we're slouched over we're stressed out because um for the females, because they're getting a thousand dick pics in their Instagrams, and that stresses them out because they don't want their husband to see it. For the guys, it's because they're sending all these dick pics to these girls that aren't their wives, and they don't want their wives to see it. So they're all stressed oh, out. They're not. They're not breathing right. Uh, that that was a joke. I don't. I don't do that. But yeah. you, you know, a lot of people. A lot
1: of people do. That's a sad. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. No, it's a it's reality like, for some people. <laughs>
0: it's the constant i'll tell you what i would not want to be a a, an attractive female on instagram because the stuff that they get is just it's mind-boggling what guys will send them i have some friends that are like fit pros you know and they'll they'll show me sometimes like they'll be like oh my gosh look what i just got like and it's just like these guys just send unsolicited the most ridiculous stuff so it it would be tough to be a be a fit female anyway getting (laughs) off track here um yeah, so you need your blood pressure and resting heart rate to be kind of in check. Uh, resting heart rate, you know, I'd say under 60 would be good for a waking, resting heart rate. Um, some people that are really, really, really aerobically fit will get down even. Uh, Luke showed an example of a client who uh, got down their resting heart rate, was averaging 39 beats a minute upon waking, which is really, really good. Mm, so it's, like a, it's a slight, like Yeah, it's a sliding. Yeah, it's a sliding scale, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Bigger, like a really big guy, like a 260-pound guy probably isn't going to get down to 39, but they can get under 60. Easy, you know? So that would be the first place to start. Um, the other place would be calories. You, you, you want to be in a state, and this is a rough calculation, but I like to say body weight times 15 is where you should be able to eat that many calories per day and keep your body weight stable or more. Mm-hmm. If you can eat more than that to keep your body weight stable, even better. But if if you're eating that or less and you either gain and you're gaining weight, then you need to push you need to take some time boosting your metabolism. And that's a good general rule. There's all kinds of formulas you can use, but generally when you know, you know. You want to have a responsive, adaptive metabolism. If you push calories up and you instantly lose weight, that's a good thing, but it probably means you were under eating. Hmm. So that's another sign that I look at is if people's if people's body weight drops with an increase in calories, it tends to mean that their
1: metabolism is not optimized. Gotcha. Oh, this is fascinating stuff. So, so let's, let's move up. I think that's pretty interesting for like uh, nutrition wise, fat loss wise. Let's transition to our favorite topic, strength, training, muscle building. What were some of the new uh, conversations that were emerging in the muscle conversations?
0: You know, that's pretty interesting. There's, um, gosh, muscle building. So, I kind of honestly, this this sounds bad. I didn't sit in on as much of the strength and muscle building stuff just because that's an area where I'm already so well read and just that's I've studied it for years and years and years. Not saying I can't learn, but um, actually one of the things uh, a a guy talked about, Jance Footit, talked about um, what was was his name? Jance Footit. You might know him. Jance, yeah, Um, Footit, Jance, yep. So he was on the rehab panel with me, and what's interesting is Jance is a guy. He, I've always admired his dedication to learning. He will fly anywhere in the world to take a course and he'll fly experts to him to host courses. So he's trained under, he's the only American to have ever trained under Boris Shako, the, the Russian powerlifting coach. Um, the, the greatest power, like powerlifting coach of all time, really. I mean, if you, if you look at the, the medals and stuff, um, he's the only one to train under him. He's trained under Dmitry Klokov, the, the Russian Olympic weightlifter. He's trained in with the Chinese weightlifting team. Um, he's done in you know, he's done stuff with John Meadows for hypertrophy. Like he just he, he seeks out these experts and goes to learn from them. But what was really fascinating with him, uh, with the strength training stuff, and this is where it uh, where it would be beneficial for for our listeners here for that want to build muscle, is for mind muscle connection. In China, what they would do for Olympic weightlifting, they would get them in certain positions, so like the catch position of a snatch. Mm. And then he said they they wouldn't speak any English, but they had this stick, and they would just hit you with the stick where you should be tight. And what's interesting is, a lot of times in certain lifts, and a muscle that should be tight and switched on and taking a brunt of the load is relaxed. And that's where injury happens, that's where poor technique happens. So in a bench press, for example, he, they might have him lower the bar halfway down and this is not with a ton of weight and then they would hit his pecs with a stick and, and it would kind of cue them, to cue him to tighten up the pecs and so this is one of the things, he, he was talking a lot about uh, eccentrics and isometrics for learning mind muscle connection and um, that's something that's always been big for me, for me I've always had people if they had trouble feeling a certain muscle I would have them do uh, shortened position isometrics. so fully shorten the joint so for example on the biceps the biceps curl the arm they flex the elbow but they also flex the shoulder so to fully shorten the biceps you would curl the arm up as high as it would go and then you would lift the elbow up as high as you go almost so your arms in line with your ears you'll feel a big contraction there in the biceps so you go to the fully shortened position and you do ten repetitions with a 10 second isometric hold on each rep and this can even be unloaded like you don't have to do it with weight you can but it should be really really lightweight and that will improve mind muscle connection Hmm. Um, another way is using isometrics so once you get good at contracting and feeling the muscle at the at the fully shortened range then you have to work on feeling it in the mid-range or in the fully stretched position and that's where those um eat slow eccentrics and isometric holds in those different positions um help there and if you have a partner that can beat you with a stick where you're supposed to be feeling it even better (laughs) no kidding um so that was pretty cool um another thing is uh the brain so this is a cool one too Something that I, this was totally new to me. I, I, um, at least the drills were. If you have poor posture or you get injured a lot, you might need to train your eyes and your brain. So your eyes take in the information about your surroundings and they relay it to your brain. And then that communicates to the rest of the body what muscles are supposed to fire, you know, you know, rate of contraction, all those things. And an example are you, are you in a place where you could stand up right now, Vince? Yeah. All right. So I want you to stand up um, and keep your eyes open and just stand on one foot and balance. You got it? Yep. Okay. Now put your foot back down, close your eyes, and then lift up one foot again yeah little little, uh, sh- little little shaky little shaky right and Not that's a, because that's because your brain doesn't have as much information about where you are in space so it's harder so what are you so what do you think you're relying on then to maintain your balance
1: yeah i never thought about that i never thought of it from uh, yeah how so much now, how much in, how much data the eyes are required to do that right so
0: now when your eyes are closed you're relying strictly On internal muscular mechanisms to to keep you standing upright. It's harder, but you can still do it. But it's because um, your proprioceptive um, receptors in in the muscles have to work. So basically you know, now it's an internal cue for you as, a, as opposed to an external. So a lot of times people, if, if they lose balance really, really bad when they go closed eyes, it's because they do everything through their eyes and they need to learn to feel internal cues better. I know, I've known your work for so many years and Ben Pakulski too. How much do you guys talk about, internal tension in the muscle, feeling the muscle. Well, yeah. one way you can do that is to do eyes closed proprioceptive drills. Interesting. To have better better cueing and better feedback. Now obviously you want to do this in a in a safe uh, safe manner. You're not I do not recommend doing five rep max barbell squats with your eyes closed. All right. But you could do um, body weight squat isometrics with your eyes closed where you're really focusing on squeezing your glutes or your quads or whatever area your body you're trying to develop with the squat. Um, you can do different different balance and coordination drills with eyes closed to better be able to feel that that muscle.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, it just, it quickly uh, establishes the value, the need of learning uh, internal queuing yeah. before just emphasizing external, but that's, that's actually a, such a simple way to establish that point.
0: Yeah. And to learn more about it, I like, there's the, 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 the woman that presented on this was her name's Annette, I don't, I'm going to butcher her last name. I think it's French Canadian, but it's like Ver Verpelo, but she's, um, uh, she teaches posturology courses. She's actually got one coming up in New York pretty soon. Uh, but it's all about, uh, retraining your eyes and, and the brain for better posture. And it was amazing. She, she did some shoulder mobility drills with a guy, uh, live and she took him through an assessment. Again, we're going back to that assessment piece, right? You always have to assess what the person needs. So she assessed him and then just did it was literally maybe thirty seconds of an eye tracking drill using a pen, and then reassessed him, and he probably got an additional twenty degrees uh, of shoulder flexion just from that that eye training drill. So that really got me intrigued because anytime you can get instant improvement like that to that magnitude, um, I'm I'm listening. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. that's a it's a course I'm probably going to take uh, sometime in the near future for yeah, sure. I
1: just looked her up posture pro and that yep. there polo V E R P I L L O T. Yeah, she's spoken yep. at TEDx, TEDx, um, Montreal. So yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. It's really interesting. Yeah.
0: She's, she's brilliant and she's an awesome personality too. Great teacher. So that's, that's one thing that I really picked up that I want to learn more about. That's the best part about Swiss is Yes, you learn things, but you also learn new rabbit holes to dive mm, into. So I yeah. lo- I learned a lot I learned a lot from her presentation, but even more so now I've learned a whole new area that I can research uh, yeah. through through her and through other people that that aren't even associated with posturality. Now I I'm going to start pulling up, you know, PubMed articles on on posture and the eyes and the brain and all that stuff as it relates to that because it's just so fascinating. You, When you go to these courses, you realize how much you really don't know. You know what I mean? Which is awesome. I love it. I love being the dumbest person in the room because Uh it means I'm I'm about to learn a lot. Oh,
1: absolutely. Totally. I think all uh, success-oriented people have that common uh, belief. Hey, let's get into some uh, interesting stuff. I definitely want to touch on supplementation, but I'm not as much interested in supplementation as uh, i love to hear um, what was discussed on the drug panel.
0: Yeah, so the steroid panel was awesome, and kudos to Ken uh, for putting this on. So basically, steroids uh, in in the U.S. and Canada are illegal. They're class three uh, in the U.S. They're they're class three DEA substances, which means they're on the same level as cocaine and heroin. If you get caught with them, what
1: about like um, t- like TRT medical? Like, is that illegal? Like, it cr- take TRT like testosterone if you've got a prescription across the board, like. I've, always, I've never understood that.
0: No, yeah. Th- that, they're legal for that, which is kind of – it's its the same as like um, narcotics, like hydrocodone and oxycodone. A doctor can give those to you after a surgery, but if you just have them on the street and you get caught with them or you're selling them, it's its a felony. Gotcha. And so st- steroids are in the same con- class as narcotics. They're in the same class as cocaine. And so they've got a big stigma around it, especially – because of their impact in professional sports. I'm sure everyone remembers professional baseball, the big steroid deal with Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and all Jason Giambi and all those guys that actually ended up in Congress. Mm -hmm. So what was fascinating, so on this panel, which is incredible, you've got the world's top steroid attorney. So this is a guy that gets called into all the high-profile cases surrounding steroids. You've got several medical doctors who were involved in the baseball scandal, who testified in front of Congress. Like Dr. Eric Serrano is one of them. He was he was on the panel. You've got um, steroid researchers, so PhDs who really aren't even invested in the bodybuilding or strength training community, but they're in the lab studying how these drugs impact muscle, brain, uh, tendons, organs, etc. They're on the panel. Uh, you've got. Uh, bodybuilders and pro athletes on the panel who are speaking from experience of underground use. So it's really fascinating. It's literally just an open discussion of anabolic drugs. And what's what was really cool. What the big takeaway from this that I got is that steroids aren't bad. And I don't want. I, I want to make sure if you're if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to listen to this whole segment. Don't just click stop now and say, oh, Coach Ryan said, steroids aren't bad, I'm gonna go do a bunch of them. Listen to the whole thing, steroids are not bad, they're just bad in the wrong hands, under the wrong context, and for the wrong people. And I liken it to a steak knife, right? A steak knife is not bad, but if you put it in the hands of a serial killer, now you've got a problem, okay? Steroids are very much the same. They have some incredible medical uses, and they can benefit a lot of people. But the problem is the people abusing them in the fitness industry are a lot like the serial killers with a steak knife. They're not using them correctly. They're using them uh, off-label. They're using underground gear that's, that's tainted and contaminated. Um, but if you look at like the medical uses, steroids have, have shown major, major benefits in uh, cases of clinical depression, in cases of uh, fertility or hypo- hypogonad. Uh, hypogonadal males and females, uh, burn victims. There are some people that would not be alive today if it weren't for anabolic steroids, such as oxandrolone, which is Anavar is the trade name of Mm. of it. Um, Underweight babies. There are underweight babies. They're born maybe 26 weeks instead of the full term. And they put them on a very, very low dose of some steroids. And now this child has life because of anabolic. So you can't just make a blanket statement hmm. that steroids are bad, right? Uh, there was one doctor that shared a story of a cocaine and heroin addict. So this guy was on 13 different street drugs. Um, cocaine, heroin, meth, ecstasy, mushroom. Like I don't even know all the names of them. The doctor listed them, but it was, it was 13 different street drugs. Um, the doctor ran a neurotransmitter profile, found out. His brain chemistry was all out of whack, and so he was just constantly – his body was constantly seeking to get his brain chemistry back in line by using all these drugs. Of course, that doesn't work. The doctor gave a very, very low dosage of injectable testosterone and Anivar, which is an oral, oral anabolic steroid, and basically both, both of which uh, can influence the brain. So they, they can impact dopamine levels. They can impact um, acetylcholine levels in the brain. And basically, he got the guy's brain functioning properly again. So, we talk about that neurotransmitter soup, right? He got the right recipe for this guy's neurotransmitter soup. And now he's been drug free for years. And this Hmm. guy credits the doctor with being alive. He's like, I'd be dead if it weren't for these anabolic steroids. Hmm. So, the problem is right now, steroids, it's the wild, wild west. Hmm. So, you've got quote-unquote prep coaches prescribing them when they don't know a single freaking clue of what they do or how they work. Um, They are – there's a quality control issue because because of they're so illegal, people don't get pharmacy-grade steroids. They get Larry's bathtub blend. Which has, uh, <laughs> you know, literally guys make it in yeah. the bathtub. You can import raw powders from China, make it in your bathtub with mixing it with olive oil or whatever. So you got these guys that don't know what they're doing, making it in an unsterile environment so their dosages are off. Often they use uh, fake compounds. So they'll they'll advertise that this is my whatever blend and they'll sneak in other stronger drugs hmm. to make sure that it has a bigger effect. So that the people buy from them again. So it's unethical. So people are taking stuff. They think they're taking testosterone, and they're taking trenbolone, which is like one of the strongest drugs known to humans. Yo, um, there's toxins. Uh, so, so the fact that they're illegal drives this crazy wild west black market,
1: right? What are all these kids on? I got to cut you off just for a quick second. My yeah. brain's spinning. Like I'm on Instagram, and I can tell, like. These kids, there's like kids in their early 20s, jacked yeah. up. Like, what are they taking? What, what are they? Are they on pro stacks or what? Like, no, they're they're taking way they? more than the
0: pros are taking, and that's the scary part. Uh, you would be amazed. Like, there, I'm not going to share here because this was a closed door thing. But some, there were some professional bodybuilders and strength athletes that shared their dosages of what they did personally, mm-hmm. and and. The, the drug, and it's very, very mild, incredibly mild compared to what a lot of these young Instagram stars are doing. And, um, it's just gotten out of hand with, with these guys. You'll notice like all the divisions, you know, men's physique is now getting bigger and harder and leaner. Um, you know, bodybuilding has always been crazy, but now even the quote unquote more healthy divisions are starting to get that way. If you look at bikini, like in the women's side of things, bikini used to be just, be fairly in shape. Do a little cardio. Eat reasonably well, uh, and you could stand on a stage in bikini. Now, bikini girls are using really, really harsh drugs to get super, super lean for their
1: bikini competition. Like, what do they take? What are they? What are these girls taking?
0: Oh, there's bikini girls that take trembolone, like the, which is again one of the harshest drugs ever. But
1: primarily- yeah, what, what, what is okay Like, I read in the YouTube comments, this guy's on you know trembolone, so trembolone, like, you know. yeah.
0: Uh, Trenbolone is a drug that they use. They give to cattle to make. Basically, they give it to to cows that are going to be slaughtered to make the muscle tissue. So the steak, basically, to make the cow have more steak, so that when they slaughter it, they get more dollars per cow. You get a lot more. You get a lot more as as a farmer. You know, you get a lot more money from a. 2000 pound cow, that's 3% body fat, which means there's a lot of red meat, a lot of steak. Then you do a smaller cow with a higher percentage body fat. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they use it in cattle and there are these injectable pellets that they shoot in the cattle. Well, some genius, I don't, I don't remember the whole story, but some genius many, many years ago thought, wow, if this works for cows, it'll be great for humans too. So they took the, (laughs) they took the pellets, they took the pellets out of the The cattle injector and they dissolve them down with different biochemical agents and then would shoot that into their body. And it's it's just a really, really harsh drug. It's super powerful. It's not uncommon. It wouldn't be uncommon for a guy to gain 30 pounds of muscle in two months and drop maybe five to eight percentage point body fat in a two-month time frame. But major, major psychological disorders, major, major cardiovascular issues, like you can you could You could die of a heart attack, like, overnight if you accidentally took too much. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those, like, it's just a really scary compound. Like, you couldn't pay me enough to take it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's really scary. I've seen it. I've seen it kill people. You know what I mean? Like, I've known people that used it that died in their 20s and 30s from major, major heart complications. So, that being said, you got, now you got these bikini girls that sometimes will take it. Um, but the, the big ones in bikini are like Anivar, uh, or Oxandrolone. It's a, it's a relatively speaking, it's a mild drug. Um, because they, they use it on infants. Like that's the drug that an infant, an underweight infant will get. And so many believe it's safer, but it's still an infant may use one milligram and a bikini girl might use a hundred milligrams. So they're still taking the dosages to way, way extreme levels. And it's just that you get these girls, their, their liver values are blown up. Um, they got horrible, they got the, they got the cholesterol profile of an 80 year old man that smoked two packs a day, their whole life. Like, and this is a 25 year old bikini chick. Like, it's just not, it's just getting out of hand. And so, you know, what these, what a lot of these physicians were crying for is like, Hey you need to make sure like you're doing this stuff under the guise of a licensed physician who at the very least can mitigate your risk. They, you know, you should be getting, you should be getting blood work every one to two months. You know what I mean? Like those types of conversations were I think beneficial for, for people in the audience to say, Hey, look, this stuff is very, very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And that's the, uh, that's kind of the conundrum where we're at but it's going to be hard it's going to be a hard problem to solve in today's as you mentioned the Instagram world where everyone's trying to put this phony fake image of themselves out that's bigger leaner harder and what's funny Vince I've met a lot of these Instagram stars in uh-huh. person yeah, yeah. and it's funny they are less than impressive when you take away the filters when you take away the lights when you take away the pump oh, they yeah. a, a lot of they still look good but they're they're nowhere near what their pictures look like and so oh, yeah. something to keep in mind
1: yeah and not, not to knock it I mean they're working it they're, they know yes. the system down you know they've got it down to a science I mean they could create pdfs and I mean I've spoken to some and they've like they'll go on for a good 45 plus minutes showing you all the types of filters and they say see how I do and, and most some of them are just open about it they're like oh yeah I've, yeah I figured it out they literally i've heard people say i've cracked the code it took me a long time to figure out what to post what not to post and it makes a difference it makes a dramatic difference in like uh you know how you fade out the background so that your body pops and what are the colors like i mean people aren't just people aren't just changing their body in the photo that's a big misconception they're changing the background of you know if they're in a in a washroom that's like. Brown tints—they're they're, going to change them to white tints, and then change their the color on their body. So all of a sudden, the body pops out. I mean, they're, they're, dude, they're, you could go to school. It's for, crazy. You could go to yeah. school for this. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts, man. Uh, um, okay, cool. But back to like drug steroids. Yeah, I'm curious to know, like, what were you guys talking about? Was it um, like how to do it properly? Uh, the pros, cons. You know, what was no? What was no, it, what but, was the
0: purpose of the conversation? I, I think the purpose of the conversation was just to try to be open about. Hey, look! There are benefits to these drugs, but you can't be an idiot about it. Right. And so that's, I think, what a lot of the message was to be. uh, You know, a lot of people refrained from giving advice because, again, it goes back to blood work. Um, You could take two people, okay? You could take their testosterone levels, and let's say that each guy is at 300 nanograms per deciliter. You could give each of them, say, 160 milligrams per week for 10 weeks. And one guy might have crazy muscle gains, crazy increases in blood testosterone levels, crazy increases in free testosterone levels, which matters more than the total value. Um, Great sleep, great sex, no side effects. And you could have another guy, the other guy, who looked medically identical beforehand. Uh, Blood values could get all out of whack. His cholesterol values could get all out of whack. His liver could be, it could be jacked up his, um, he may be not even respond. Like he may not even get much results in terms of muscle gains. Um, he may get moody, he may get, and so if you're not constantly assessing these things as you go, you're, you know, you're making a big mistake. We all respond differently to different treatments. Uh, you know, that same guy may be the the guy that got messed up from the testosterone may benefit from a slightly different drug or a slightly higher dose, or a slightly lower dose, or, and, and that's where having a medical professional is, that's open and willing to do that is so valuable if you are gonna go down that road. Um, mm. And honestly, most of them were saying, look, don't go down that road. <laughs> like, wait, and t- the, the problem is, as you mentioned, all these young guys are on it now, and now they don't have a means to solicit progress in the future. Because they've already played their trump card, right? They're already on loads of gear. So now, if your first cycle is, let's say, a gram of gear, which Hmm. is a ton, you would never do that. If that's your first cycle, which I know people that have done that their very first time, when it's time for your next cycle or you want to gain a little more muscle, you have to go higher than that now. And so it becomes this never-ending. And if you do that when you're 20, now if you think forward and you want to be jacked through your 40s, you're going to be taking a super, super risky dose by the time you're at the end of your 20s and have to carry that dose through your 40s, you're probably going to be dead before you're 50. And Uh, so the biggest thing, at least in my personal advice when I talk to people, is train naturally for as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Do the right things. And for heaven's sakes, if you aren't sleeping at least nine hours a night, if you're not nailing your diet perfectly, if you're not on a great program, if you go out drinking uh, you know, twice a week and get wasted, don't even come to me asking about drugs because you're not already doing the most important things to optimize your progress. But well, let's say you are doing all the things perfectly. You don't you – don't, you're not a party animal. You get sleep. Train for, train for 15 years naturally because then the odds are good that a very, very small, healthy, safe dosage is going to give you a new boost in results. And then you never have to go to this crazy, crazy level.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. So 15 years in, you put in, you feel like you've earned it. Let's say you're in your mid 30s. Is it TRT that you go to, or is it like a real steroid cycle? No, yeah, for sure, TRT. You would, you would,
0: I'm saying go see a. A, uh testosterone replacement physician, because odds are good in today's society with our stress, with our toxin exposure, with our poor nutrition. Odds are good in the if you're in your mid 30s, you probably are medically low in testosterone and would actually benefit from boosting it a little bit.
1: Was there? So, any, yeah, sir. I want to. I keep asking about that, but keep going. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, is there anything wrong with? Was anybody against taking TRT in more of a context of just kind of? optimal, like giving you a bit of an edge, but like not abusing it or is it like you really have to be on the low end to even justify using it? What was the conversation around that?
0: Um, you know what? They didn't get into that much, but I can tell you from speaking with most of the physicians, the, the big thing is where you run into big problems is when you get outside of physiological levels. Hmm. Right now in the United States, the norms, quote unquote norms for testosterone are um, 280 nanograms per deciliter to 11, 1,180. So odds are good if you, if you were at 280 and you took a moderate replacement dosage, that might boost you to 600. So that's still a very much normal physiological level. Um, if you're at 500 and you take a CRT dose, that might boost you to 800, 900, 1100, that's still within normal ranges and would likely be okay. I say likely because it depends on you. The very first thing I said in this podcast was about individualization. So hmm. where you start running into problems is when you start pushing that number higher than the norms. Gotcha. So when you start getting above 1180, that's when, uh, the aromatase enzyme starts to get a little wonky. You may grow some, grow some gynecomastia. You may have mood issues. You may have weird hair, hair growth issues, either not able to grow it on your head or grow too much on the rest of your body. Uh, you may have sex drive issues. So it's most of the physicians were pretty clear about keeping it within that optimal range gotcha. of, of that normal healthy range. But again, I personally, and again, I'm not a doctor. So take I'm just a meathead that likes to lift. <laughs> I you're, don't see a problem.
1: You're more than just a meathead, Ryan. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate. It.
0: I don't see a problem with someone having a boost as long as they stay within that level and as long as they do it with a doctor. And I know plenty of doctors um, who would be willing to say, "Okay, you're at." You're at four hundred, let's take you up to eight hundred. You know what I mean? And and we'll keep you there. And they'll give you just enough of a dose Uh to monitor that and monitor your bloods every couple of months to make sure you're staying there and you're not getting any weird sides.
1: Are you allowed to compete in powerlifting and bodybuilding shows? Like are you considered natural if you're on TRT? Yeah.
0: Um, you have
1: you 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 can you often
0: have to get an exemption, and the exemption would include um, like blood tests and signed notification from your physician. It depends on federation, though. Some will not allow TRT to compete in the natural divisions; um, others will with a physician's exemption. Cause it's no different than testosterone is a hormone, right? Insulin yeah. is a hormone. Yeah. If you're diab- if you're diabetic, you're allowed to take insulin, right? Because you'll die if you don't. <laughs> so. But- no, it's the same type of thing, like if you're doing it for a medical reason to get your hormones within certain levels that they should be for optimal health, then, then most organizations will let you. The thing is, low testosterone below normal range is as bad for your heart, if not worse, than really, really high testosterone. So you can have you know guys that take tons and tons of gear often will have heart attacks or heart problems. Guys who are really, really medically low will often have heart problems too. So the body loves balance, mm. and it's really, really important to stay in that balance. I'm 100% for TRT, for people that need it. Now, yeah. if you're a guy, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is a guy. He he wanted some help, you know, with, with the gym stuff, and, you know, I, I sent him to a doc that I knew, and I said, look, get checked out, see what's up. You know, he was just feeling tired. Basically, he, he, he's a he's, but he's got two kids. He owns a medical practice, so he he probably should be tired because he's got a really busy life right now. But anyway, he's, he's just like, yeah, I'm feeling tired. I said, you know what? Go get your test checked out because he's in his mid 30s. I said, get your test levels checked out and see maybe you're low and you can get on some TRT and that'll help your fatigue. Well, he goes in and gets tested and he's naturally with nothing at like 900. And so the, the doctor was like, no, you're good. Like, you're just, there's something else that's making you tired. Hmm. And eventually over time, we, we realized he just wasn't eating as, as much as he should for as busy as he was. Yeah. Huh.
1: So, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, this, is, so, uh, this has been awesome. Keep going. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So basically, if you don't need it, don't take it. There's yeah. no need. Like, if he would have gone on a cycle he
1: probably would have got a bunch of side effects and no real improvement in hmm. muscle gains or anything like that. So so always make your decisions based on data. I think there's a big yeah. takeaway data, individualization, outcome and uh that's uh you know don't be making use taking broad stroke advice This has been really fascinating. You know, maybe we're kind of moving into uh, the last kind of conversation I wanted to touch on, which is just mindset. You know, mindset of the champions, the winners. These guys have been around for a long time. I had Christian Tibbet over at my house, and, uh, you know, he's been at this for over a decade. I know probably everybody in that room, including yourself, has been at this for probably 15 plus years. And what are some of just the common, you know, disciplines, mindsets? that you you notice amongst these individuals who've um, outlasted maybe others who've imploded, if you will?
0: Yeah, you know, that that was really fascinating to me, and it's always interesting to talk to people that just excel at what they do. There's one thing that I think, and I would coin it, I would call it realistically positive. Hmm. These people are all realistically positive. So I, I, you know, if you believe it, then it's true. So Bill Kazmaier, the world's strongest man, I love hearing him talk about bench press because he would say, he's like, when I would bench press, he's like, I would envision my arms just becoming these hydraulic cylinders or springs. Like he would literally think this in his mind. It's not a metaphor. He would, in his head, his arms were hydraulic cylinders, right? Like these springs. He's like, and as I lower the bar to my chest, I would feel the springs cocking. I would feel the pressure Building in the cylinders hmm. and then you know putting tension through the springs. And then when I would when I would touch my chest, I would I would feel the springs release their energy and uncoil and explode. And, and you know, and it's just like such a fascinating thing. Like he just he literally transformed his mind into having these these hydraulic jacks for arms. And he ended up being able to lift as much as most hydraulic jacks could. Because of his mindset. Now, the realistic side of things was funny because it's talking to Eddie Cohn. Eddie Cohn is the world's greatest powerlifter, greatest of all time. Like, He has records that will probably never be broken. He did it in multiple weight classes. Um, but he tells a story. He said, yeah, when I, was, when I was a young boy, I wanted to be Arnold when I was growing up. He's like, and then I met Arnold, and my, my chest, my eyeballs were hitting him his sternum. He's like, shoot, I can't, I'll never be Arnold because <laughs> he, he's just too short. <laughs> yeah. Like, shoot, I'll never be Arnold. So then he, you know, he, he was looking and finding, he, he had, he had a story of just like multiple people. He was like, oh yeah, then I wanted to be this guy. And I met him and I was like, and he's like, and then I met, I wanted to be Franco and I met Franco and he was like really, really handsome. And I was like, shoot, I'll never be Franco. You know? And then he's like, I watched Bill Kazmaier and I realized that he could be really strong and really powerful. And he didn't have to diet that hard. He's like, so then I wanted to be Cas, And that's when I started powerlifting. Hmm. And I love that because it was a a positivity, but it was realistic. And too many people set out on these journeys and they're just plain not realistic in their goals. I get client intakes all the time. Guy that's just like, yeah, I'd like to gain 30 pounds of muscle this month and I want to lose 10% body fat this month and bench press 500 pounds this month. And it's like, it's like okay dude i love your i love your enthusiasm i really genuinely do but i could give you all the drugs in the world i could have you sleep in a hyperbaric chamber we could train 10 hours a day you would never meet those targets it's physiologically impossible and so that's what i like to say is like all these people that you meet are just realistically positive they hmm. they want they ha- they know they're going to do it they have this belief that they're going to achieve what they set out to achieve but that thing that they set out to achieve is something that is actually achievable.
1: Hmm. What are you, what are you, what are you going after these days, Ryan? I know uh, you had a little setback. I think it's we got to share. Yeah, what yeah, a oh, bummer! Man. But I'll let you share.
0: You know what? I had a pec tear. Um, I tore my pec um, yesterday, and. So I'll probably have a surgery coming up. My arm – I currently have a a double D boobie. It's all squishy on my right side. I've actually – I've been playing with it this whole time we've been on the phone. It's kind of awesome. Anyway, (laughs) uh, it's like (laughs) –
1: sorry. It's all Uh, good. Uh, This is why we got to talk more often. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: So I'm like fondling myself like, oh, yeah, that's a nice titty. But it's really just inflammation. It's swollen and it's all black. But – yeah, so I tore my pec yesterday. Um, I was bench pressing, actually doing floor presses, and the crazy thing was is I felt really, really good. I felt strong, um, but I made a critical mistake, and that is I did not allow my ta- my tissue time to adapt to heavier loads. So over the past six months, I've been really driving up how many, how much volume I could get, how many reps I could get between 300 and 320 pounds. Okay, like I just kind of hovered in that, that range and was really working on boosting volume. And I was getting strong. Like I was hitting big rep PRs um, where you know I was getting good sets of 10, good sets of eight, things like that. And, and I transitioned to a strength block. So this phase was floor press and I, to work, I wanted to work up to some heavy singles or sets of one. And everything felt awesome. I started, you know, I did a basic five, four, three, two, one progression started with 315 for 5, smoked it. It was cake. You know, went up a little bit. Uh and got up, you know, I did 375 for 2 and it was easy too. Smoked it. And then I and I went to hit 405 and the weight felt light when I took it out. It really did. I took it down. I was feeling confident and then it was like a gunshot. Like it was just like a it was loud. It was a loud pop. In fact, a guy across the gym was like, "Oh my gosh, I heard that." And it just the tissue just gave way. And oh my when gosh. I look back, it's because I hadn't done anything over 320 pounds for quite a while, like months. And so my my the the tendon itself, the tissue just was not adapted to that heavier load. Looking back, what I should have done was spent um, spent probably four to six weeks working in that 330 to 380 range to hmm. then get the body used to that weight again before going to 405. But, you know, I went up over probably 70 pounds over anything I had handled within the past year. And again, the strength was there. It wasn't that the the strength was there. It wasn't that I was lifting anything too heavy for my ability. It was just the tissue tolerance was not there. And there right. were a couple other things at play too. You know, I had taken two weeks off, so there's that too. I was kind of a little bit detrained and Uh, It just wasn't the smartest move. It's funny because I would never, you know, we do things ourselves that no clients or athletes. I would never have a client or athlete of mine go to four hundred five after not having anything above three thirty in the past year. But I do it to myself because we're me, right? But yeah, so my next goal, I I really, I think I'm gonna, um, I'm really excited for this rehab. I'm gonna work on my single leg strength, so I have a yoke bar. For my shoulder. So, even while I'm in a sling, I'm going to work on like split squats with the yoke bar um, because when I drive my single leg strength, first of all, I get a lot of good metabolism boosting effects because you got to do both legs, you got to do both sides. So, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting a ton of reps, and a ton of volume. And the other thing is, it just makes my hips and back feel really, really good. So, I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to work on grip strength on my injured arm because I want to let my brain know that I need to maintain that muscle tissue so uh, it, uh, by doing grip work on that injured side I, I believe that uh, it will keep the neurological um, connections there so that when I am able to start training heavier again I'll be I will still have that muscle mass at least some of it I'll lose some muscle in the recovery process but um, I'm going to maintain as much as possible so I'll be doing like Grippers, you know, the captains of crush grippers, I'll be doing those, yep. isometric holds. Um, and that's kind of my and, – and then also working on my aerobic capacity as we talked about. I'll probably be doing uh, between 60 and 90 minutes a day of just strict aerobic work um, to build the foundation. By the end of that block, I should be starting to get – dig in with my rehab and be able to start moving some weight. And at that point, I'll have a really crazy high work capacity. Um, i'll be ready to eat a ton of food and and uh get back to it but i 'm not letting it, not letting it drag me down. going back to mindset, I was talking to someone this morning. Uh, a mom at uh, my daughter's preschool and she was just like how are you so happy right now like you did this yesterday you act like it's no big deal yeah and i was and i was just like honestly because being a sad sack of shit won't get me anywhere like it's just going to make the healing worse you know what i mean like (laughs) what what is it going to do what benefit is it going to be to be like oh my pack i can't do this they can't do this like Screw that. I'm going to think about the things that I can do. And I'm going to look at this as a challenge of, man, how can I get back? You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited to get back and like the journey. And you know what else is cool? I'm going to learn a lot because I know I'm going to learn some new rehab exercises. I'm going to learn some new therapy modalities. Um, I got a buddy that's probably going to, I'm going to go to just have some stem cells shot in there for healing, which is going to be awesome. So, you know what I'm, I'm trying to my best to turn the negative into a positive and yeah and being mopey and pouty never really worked for anybody
1: anyway so I, I hear you well you know it's, it's interesting because I was trying to get an understanding of this powerlifting program I'm on right now I'm, I'm wrapping up uh, week six here and uh, you know it's a lot of uh, repetition around the same very similar loads and rep ranges yep. and, and, the, and the volumes going up like really slowly and uh, and and I guess it's just prepping me. I asked him, you know, what's going on here and he said, "Oh, well, we're going to start getting going in month 3." Yeah. And it's just trusting that I guess he's really focusing on the connective tissue stuff, but for sure. Uh, you have
0: to with strength because strength training is you're you're
1: teaching the body to
0: override the Golgi tendon response. So the Golgi tendon or Golgi tendon organ, the GTO is a little proprioceptive uh uh, organ inside the tendon and what it does if you put a weight on your body that's too heavy for that tendon it causes the muscle to relax so that's why you just kind of like let it go well strength training is training to override that mechanism so that's essentially what happened yesterday i i i slingshot i i tricked my gto into not doing its job like if i would have taken that weight out and the gto worked, you know, the way it's intended to, I would have just like relaxed down and my spotter would have grabbed the weight. But instead, because of training hmm. to get as strong as possible, I've overrode that protective mechanism and my brain allowed me to still keep tension on the muscle and it just popped. So, but again, I, I don't think that would have happened if I would have spent more time, uh, as your coach is having you do right now, spending more time at that lower, Lower weights, building volume, and gradually shifting to those heavier weights. Yeah, not all all of a sudden, uh,
1: dude. Sure. I'm really I'm really getting into it, and I wanted yeah. you to just share that advice you gave with me. Ryan's been writing my programs for over what four plus years, maybe four or five yeah. years now. And uh, one of my new coaching students, an individual that goes to my church, he's a world masters powerlifting champion. And and uh, you know, I was t- I was telling Ryan and a number of people that I just haven't my head's not had a like a definitive fitness goal since February, since I did the reboot. I've just met mentally been checked out I'm literally on my phone more than I'm lifting in the gym I kid you not like I'm literally working more in the gym than actually lifting weights and and I'm like I just got to stop and I just needed a plan knew something completely different I like being prescribed exactly how much to lift and you gave me some really good advice just for for what to expect mentally can you share that with me just when it comes to like joints etc cetera? You know, for anybody listening who wants to maybe make the shift from a bodybuilding centered focus to a strength focus training program, what mentally, where do where's my head need to be? What's, what's, what's on the road that I'm on right now or what's, what's on the road ahead of me? Um, I honestly don't remember this conversation. Oh, you were prepping, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, you know, you gave me a long text. No, you gave me a long. Uh, maybe you were on preload, man, and you just had a. Yeah, good <laughs> have man. No, you, you know what? Me, I it honestly- was regarding joints. You were giving me some great insight on just prep, like what to expect with my joints. I, you know, I think. Were oh, you telling yeah. me to train through it or to like back off? Like, there's gonna be periods when your joints yeah. are just sore, and you know, like I kind of back off when something gets achy, uh, right. uh, You know, and, and you're just kind of letting me know. Um,
0: Yeah. As a general rule, when you start to, when you start to lift heavier weights, there's going to, if you haven't been doing powerlifting before, there's going to be a period where you're going to feel maybe a little bit of inflammation. And that's just a lot of times the body adapting to a new stressor. It's no different than the first time you did a bodybuilding leg workout, that debilitating soreness you got where like you literally couldn't walk for like four days after over time that goes away and now like you can smash a leg workout and still walk the rest of the day and walk the next day. You may be a little sore, but it's not, it's the same thing that can happen at the joint level with powerlifting. You're putting a lot of load through that tissue.
1: And a lot of times they can just get a little cranky, but, um, you know what you know, it was the worst it was the first 2 weeks and it's all yeah. gone, it's all gone away like I'm yeah. I, I've been going to my MAT uh, I was there last night I, I blew out my lats I blew out traps I blew out my uh, quads and they're you know it made sense cuz it's related to all the lifts I'm doing over and over but I'm hanging pretty tough it was just the initial first 2 weeks of all the I'm not wasn't used to all that benching and squatting and right. all those isometrics and those you know 5 5 cent five, 5 to 7 centimeters. Deadlifts, you know, to the knees and holding up the knees, and all this, all this isometric stuff at every angle of the of the of the movement you can imagine. (laughs) Yes,
0: so yeah, you just kind of take a different mindset into powerlifting, and and another thing too, powerlifting is very much about external focus as opposed to internal. So you really shouldn't be trying to necessarily squeeze any specific muscle too tight. It should just be get your whole body tight and be explosive. So it's a different mindset than I like it. Yeah, it's a different mindset, but what's really cool, Vince, and we talked about this too, is you're going to do this for however long you do it. I don't know what you've decided on, but <laughs> in this time... we are putting bets down. Yeah. <laughs> it in won't this last long, of,
1: but I think it is going to go for a while. I'm, I'm yeah, free, as long as I stay injury-free.
0: So what's really cool is you're going to get stronger uh, with a lower volume than you would normally use for bodybuilding. This is going to resensitize your body to higher volume training, so that let's say six months from now or a year from now or two years from now when you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm good on the powerlifting, like I'm super strong, I'm ready to do some bodybuilding again, now you're going to be able to grow from a very minuscule amount of volume because you're sensitive to it. And so then now you can build up volume over time and that's where the real muscle growth is going to happen because now the weights you're using are going to be heavier. So once you get strong in powerlifting, you go back to doing, say, dumbbell incline presses, you're going to be using a lot heavier dumbbells for your sets of 12 to 20 reps or whatever whatever it is you decide to do. And that's going to contribute to further growth down the road. So I am a big fan. Um, for those out there, I was, not, I was not offended not one bit when Vince told me he was going to have this other guy write his programs, even though I've been coaching him for four or five years, because I see the value in having a different stimuli to the body and, and um, changing it up and having a different pair of eyes. Like I see nothing but good things happen from this uh, hey, for
1: Vince. Ryan, give me some, uh, give me some goals, man. Like, uh, like is the road to 600. Is that realistic? You know, I'm, I I had Stan look at my deadlift and I thought this was good. And then I saw a girl on Instagram this morning do uh so I did 430 on my deadlift last yeah. week. I saw a girl on Instagram do like. A triple for 415, and I'm like, oh, I'm probably not going to post this anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, you shouldn't should never compare yourself to anybody else because there's always going to be somebody on Instagram. If you want to feel really bad about your lifting, uh, just follow Larry Wheels on Instagram. Oh, my Instagram. gosh. You know, Mikey um, just
1: reached out to him and said, hey, yeah. I'd love to come down and film your workout. I don't need anything. I just want to see you in action.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he's a freak. We'll see. We'll see. I have nothing but – high hopes for him. I really hope that he does well. I just, one of the hard parts about powerlifting these days is so many people are making the, they're doing their lifts for Instagram in the mm-hmm. gym and they're just taking too heavy lifts too often. And I just hope he stays, I hope he stays healthy and, and has a long career. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so set so, some goals for me. So Vinny. goals for you. I think, okay, if you're doing four thirty now and you've kind of just start, you've been at this for what? Six weeks now. I'm on week six wrapping up. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I think <sighs> I would be disappointed in you there as a go. human there as is, a human being if go. you if you did not get at least a five fifty dead. By when? Um by the end of twenty nineteen. Oh, I'll yeah? give you that one. Okay. Honestly, okay, I yeah. think I think it could be I think you get six hundred by, by the end of twenty nineteen, but I'm gonna say five fifty. Okay. Um, okay. and then
1: squat. Uh what do you what what's the recent squat workout you did? Um well again you he, just kind of you know got me hanging out around kind of five sets of two, five sets of three kind of thing at two ninety five right now. So you know, okay. I, that's kinda of like what we're doing. Yeah, I'd like to see uh four thirty-five on the squat by that time. Okay. And then what's your bench? Um yeah, so I've been uh I've been hanging out around two fifty, two sixty. Um, you know, same kind of thing, four sets of two. Okay. bench I is, like bench. A 10, lot, I, I feel like I got a lot left in the tank on the bench.
0: Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing with bench. It's tricky. You definitely do, but it's going to progress the slowest of the three lifts because it's less total muscle mass. The other thing is it, the bench is going to respond best to you gaining weight. So it's like, if you want to stay the same weight, uh, it'll go slower. If you're willing to gain 20 pounds, for example, then the bench will move quicker. But I'd say, in that time frame, if you could do, I think three hundred and fifty is a nice round number. You know what I mean? That'd sure. be a good one.
1: Did you say three what? Three hundred and fifty. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So we're we're uh, got pretty similar numbers. This is good, man. Oh, dude, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, I like it. Oh, listen, man. I will let you get going, man. We're at the end of our time here. This has been a really awesome conversation. Great catching up and everything. And hey, Ryan, we'll get our one-on-one coaching launch pretty soon too. So, uh, yes, sir. Excited to do that and get everybody who, uh, jumps on board to, uh, start to get to apply all this new knowledge to their personalized program. Ryan, any final words? Man, just
0: keep killing it, guys. Be smart, especially with the drug thing. I know we talked about it a little bit today. Go see a doctor. Don't try to do this on, the own, on your own in the wild, wild west with the Larry's bathtub blend. Uh, and other than that, keep training hard. Eating well, tick all the boxes.
1: All right, tick man. Tick all the boxes. All right, brother. Thank you so much, Ryan. And uh, we will see you all soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, one last thing. I just want to thank each and every one of you who have picked up preload. The feedback has been amazing. One guy just messaged me and he said, I literally salvitate the the night before I'm going to take preload in anticipation of the limitless energy it gives me. Another guy said, holy cow, this stuff should be illegal. (laughs) Another guy was telling me that he uh, was trying to sell his friend on preload. And he said, I didn't know what to tell him. I just told the guy that you just need to try it, man. You just won't believe it until you try it. And that's why we've got a crazy deal. We've got a 365-day money-back guarantee. Do you know any other bodybuilding companies that give you a one-year money-back guarantee on their pre-workout? Do you know any other pre-workout companies that give you free shipping? I don't. And we put our money where our mouth is because we created a formula that makes some big claims that you'll see at fullyloadedsupplements.com. Everything is backed by science. Every single ingredient, every single dose, and you can read all about it at FullyLoadedSupplements.com. I want you to be educated before you make that investment. And if anything that we promise does not come true for you, refund it, all right? We don't want your money. If it doesn't do what we say it's going to do, which is give you all day energy and pure focus and mind-blowing pumps and immediate strength gains in the gym, refund it, all right? I don't sleep well knowing people have invested into my work, into my programs, into my products if they're not getting what we've claimed it's going to do so there's zero risk on your shoulders and if you wait to try it you will not get the free shipping so if you're ready to maximize your life and achieve the body of your dreams go to fully loaded supplements.com and grab your preload you'll see three options there pick the one that works best for you and experience the world's first all-day energy formula i'm pumped for your feedback have a great rest of your day